It's the glasses. <laughs> all right, we're live. Um, we are live. Parry Talks. Um, welcome back. This is the first episode of the second chapter. And I'm not at the pub, not at the little Gladstone Hotel. It's pretty obvious. Um, shout out to coronavirus. It doesn't make anything easy, but um, we found a way at Parry Talks to overcome absolutely anything and everything. Um, so we're going to be doing a couple more on Zoom. Um, like for the next, for the foreseeable future. And the best thing about it is that we can go across the country and get some opinions from across the country instead of our little Sydney bubble. So I'm trying to maximize that as much as possible going over the next, you know, four or five episodes. Um, so to kick a lot off, to kick it all off, I should say, um, I've got my man <laughs> over here, cassettes for kids. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me. No worries. I've got to ask it the question um and i think uh, it's impossible. the question i think it's impossible to um have any sort of conversation in today's climate without asking about the old covid one nine um but how is it treating you what have you been doing how do you keep busy how is cassettes for kids oh. in the corona environment um oh geez i've been fixing up a lot of stuff in my studio um i've been making a live set which is been i've been putting off for probably the last year <laughs> so i mean it's given me a bit of time to actually do stuff that it's been putting off which has been really nice but i mean apart from that it's boring as hell <laughs> i don't have any work <laughs> or like music work i can't play anywhere which is pretty rubbish but i mean people got a lot worse right now exactly and i think that's that's what's been trying to keep like, that's how I've stayed motivated. Really. It's like, how can I complain? Like I work in media and like run a podcast and that's like, we still exist. And like music as an art form is still moving people. Whereas like some people mm. have literally zero and like just putting all that back into perspective is so important. I think to keep our motivation levels, you know, somewhat calm. Yeah, I think I think the very first thing, like when I found out about it all, I was like, "Oh God, this really sucks for me. Like, this is so bad. Like, how am I gonna get through this? Everyone else has it so good. I've got it so bad. Music's not supported." And I was like, "Man, I've actually got it so good here. Like, like in Australia, we've actually got like such a sweet deal with this whole thing. There's yeah. a few people who have slipped through the gaps, unfortunately, but I mean, like, for the most part, like, we are doing." sweet <laughs> yeah i was looking at the american numbers like oh and i was yeah. like brother it's well, we're lucky we have like the biggest ocean in the world just surrounding us entirely just swallowing oh, yeah. us in which is beautiful but nature's yeah. greatest defense water <laughs> <laughs> yeah stay, uh, stay hydrated I've got, some, I've got some cat milk here that, <laughs> Um, it's quite warm <laughs> yeah, and like I, we have to go into it um if anyone that follows your social medias knows that your house is a it's not just a house or a mini studio like you are the king of gear you could say um <laughs> music gear yeah yeah i oh, know that's what i meant <laughs> yeah so you do have quite the expansive you know home setup um how did yes. you get into like collecting gear and becoming a gearhead and collecting it properly um, well, I was just trying to procrastinate for making my own music. So I thought I could just fill my time with 
being a bit a gearhead, I thought that'd be better than just like actually doing something with my music. Um, so I dusted a lot. Um, I I update all the software very regularly, but um, apart from that, yeah, no music gets made really. <laughs> Which that sometimes feel actually happens. I mean, I'm obviously joking, but like yeah. sometimes you just like I spend all my instead of like looking for new music, I'm like, hmm, I need to get like a a controller does this really specific thing because then at that exact moment then I'll be able to execute gonna get yeah then then everything will be sweet and then you get that and you're like oh, but I didn't even think that maybe I want this other thing that does this other really specific thing and it's only like 1500 bucks so maybe I just put it on Afterpay and uh, but I mean, all the stuff that I admittedly all the stuff that I have now is like very functional it's all like very high quality and now I'm not like sort of like there's no like grass is always greener sort of yeah. thing um there's a few little bits and pieces i need but like god need, need. <laughs> there oh, it is. God, i can't believe i said that um but yeah i mean apart from that it's it's a mint little studio yeah. aka like one side of my room <laughs> um let's talk about as well like now that we're here i have to bring it up everyone that's after paying stuff pre-coronavirus and then all of a sudden everyone's out of work with all these big afterpay debts <laughs> unlucky to you i actually I just paid my off <laughs> i warned everybody that is on afterpay before this happened just being like what if something happens and you lose your job and you have to pay for all this stuff it's like no it's it's cool you got six months baby <laughs> and it's what only could, 20 what could change in six months that? exactly <laughs> nothing <laughs> of course um, and the thing is it's like it's 20 percent. it's not off 20 percent off like what you already owe it's 20 percent off the original purchase price yeah so even if you've got like four bucks to go like your and your original purchase was a thousand bucks you're getting charged 20 percent of a thousand dollars you sound like someone as you sound like someone that's uh entered the pitfalls of afterpay Oh, I, I know the slippery slope <laughs> intimately. <laughs> um, on a more serious note though, say for instance, I was big into producing and I really wanted to take a step up a notch instead of using like a little keyboard and my laptop. What do you reckon some like ideal starter pieces of like the most versatile kit that you could get? Are? Um, boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy. The, oh, I mean... You can either get a drum machine like a TR8S from Roland. That'd be a, a main piece of kit. Or you can get yourself the Korg Mini Log XD. These are both like under a grand and they're like, they'll, they'll set you straight. They'll, they're like high quality pieces of gear. Um, the Mini Log XD is actually so nice as a sentence. Four voices, so play four notes at a time. It's got like a really nice warm filter. Um, my boy, James Pepper, he bought one. Um, after I bought the original Korg mini log and I've never had so much gear guilt in my life. Cause like, it just didn't sound as good. I hated it. I put up, we put up all these videos about it. I'm like, God damn bastard. It just sounds so much better. Every sound is just, mm, while I'm playing like with a toy. Yeah. <laughs> Sucked. I was about to ask, um, do you and James Pepper just have bloody gear offs? See whoever can, you know, just one up each other I'm constantly. Winning. <laughs> Good. I hope he's listening. Um, oh yeah, he definitely I'll will. Tag him. <laughs> I'll cut this out. Hey, dude, and click that on you. You <laughs> suck. Your kit sucks. Um, yeah. 
Start and a rivalry. <laughs> I think there's one already there, mate. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I haven't heard about it. Anyway, did you hear that from him? <laughs> heard it from anyway. Um, uh, I, I put to the um, just a change of pace. I put to my friends and my followers on Parry Talks. Um, if anyone wanted to ask you, send in any questions. And I reckon I got about twenty questions, which is a big showing. Um, and Whoa. I reckon about nineteen of them were. Um, just pitch related questions, <laughs> which probably was like, like a big highlight for you. Um, yeah. What a way to like, finish things off. <laughs> things like funniest, <laughs> roguest thing you witnessed at pitch by Oscar and my mate, Sam hockey. I was just like, why was your set at pitch? So darn good. <laughs> um, but Thanks, on, a more of, <laughs> on a more reflective note, um, I unfortunately couldn't make it to pitch due to work commitments. Um, but I re-listened to that mix and I watched everybody's story. And I think the most storied moment from the entire festival was you playing that toxic remix. Um, (laughs) So like talk us through finding that track and like, is it hard to convince yourself to play like a a big crowd pleaser like that? Or is that something that's um, pretty easy for you? Okay, so well, the first part of that was how did I find that? Um, I found that a few days before the gig. I was it was just on um, the Facebook group Our House. I think someone was like, "Oh, wait, this is a banger." I'm like, I listened to it. I'm like, I listened to it on my phone, and I'm like, eh, like sounds pretty boring. And then like, I showed my girlfriend, she's like, "This is fucking sick." Got my headphones out now, like I actually hear like the sub bass in it. I'm like, oh my god, do I actually do this? Do I play do I do this? Britney Spears at fucking pitch festival? Like I know every chin stroke is gonna be like ripping their face off. Like, can't believe he did this. I can't believe you. But um it was garagey and I was playing a bunch of yeah. garage. I, I love garage, so I was like, it suits. Um uh, what was the other part of the question? Um is it, as in, you pretty much already answered it. Like, is it hard to convince yourself to play a, something a bit more crowd pleasing like that? Is it something yeah, consistent for I, you now? Or? I always try to throw in stuff like that because I think it, it's just like at the end of the day, it's just like I've had a few people message me and be like, oh, come on, man. Like, you can't be playing that sort of shit. Like, you've got better tunes. But I'm like, it's just a bit of fun. Like, yeah. Like some people just take it so seriously, and I mean, I feel like I'm playing like crowd plays rather crowd plays. I usually chuck in like one or two just as yeah. like a like because there's people who don't absolutely adore and obsess about dance music, and you kind of want to bring everyone into the into the like into the vibe. So yeah. if you've got like something that's a bit recognizable, just as like a little stab to be like, hey, everyone, this is fun. Everyone can enjoy this song, and then you move on. And I think it's great. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's becoming a bit of, and like the thing about it, I don't know if we've already spoken about this, but in the dance world, there are so many like chin strokers. It's probably like one of the most chin stroker sort of cultures. It's sort of the world that we operate in, I think I'd argue. Yeah. And seeing yeah, like these people that on a day-to-day basis would never come close to listening with anything over a million streams, absolutely lose their minds <laughs> at pitch over. Yeah. is absolutely brilliant. So I think it's so important. Um, I heard a really cool chat to um, DJ Boring about this sort of thing. And he yes, said that, yes, yes. he said that, I read that. <laughs> he really wanted to play Swedish House Mafia in his um, <laughs> next, in his like Australian boiler room. So like with all these eyes watching, just dropping like Swedish House Mafia. Um, Dude, I, I actually, I actually messaged someone, uh, I messaged Arthur um, about that. 
like my my agent. And I was like, dude, the Swedish House Mafia song is so dope. I don't know if I can pull it off though. <laughs> that went, dun, 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 yeah, my Yeah. No, no, no lyrics. The dub. Yeah, dub just version, dub. obviously. Um, you know what else? I've been, inch. I've been running so much Kylie Minogue. Just um, some of her OG tracks are so 909 and so just absolutely mega. Like, so underutilized. Yeah. Can someone just absolutely end me with that one day? Oh, um, man, I could probably do you a favor. I, there's a, so, you know, Kylie Minogue's slow. Yeah, of course. Um, so there, there's like a vinyl version. You can't even find it on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. But there's like a vinyl version. It's like a 12-inch like club version with like a full intro, like, <laughs> like super slow, but I bought it. Um, my mate, Holly Francis, recommended me get it because it's like two bucks on Discogs. And the, the whole vinyl is just Kylie in like some gold like outfit, like super oh. sexy. But then <laughs> the track finishes like right at her waistline. <laughs> like that is just so cool. <laughs> I reckon. I just, I, it goes like seven minutes, like an extended cut and it is so dope. I'm trying to think about <laughs> There's a fair chance that the whole reason that so many people our age are into this sort of music or the youth are into this sort of music because of how popular Kylie Minogue is and we all grew up on those sounds. Like our parents are absolutely bumping Kylie Minogue. And yes. like, I wonder if that's sort of like how popular like the 909 kick was during that time in pop music. Like mm. had an influence on our listening now, like all the way to now. I definitely think it probably has. Yeah, like Crystal Waters. Um, actually, there's what's that other track from Kylie? Um, Love at First Sight. It has like a kind of like garagey rhythm to it. Like yeah. in that, and they had that sort of like uh, early 2000s, like disco resurgence, like mm. with like Jamiroquai and like, like a bit of Daft Punk as well. But like those were some fucking glory years back then. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Listening in the car with mum to school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Some shit that ends up playing at pitch at 3am in the morning. Yeah. This one's for you, mum. Yeah. No, to be fair, sometimes I'll be just like playing music out my um, desk speakers and I'll be like, I actually don't mind this song. Like in between yeah. like, all this random electro and stuff. And it's like, yeah, because it sounds like that like early 2000s, just glory days pop music. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was a nice little segue. But going back to pitch on a more serious note again. <laughs> Um, it seemed like it, it landed at the perfect time for you. Like you had a mm. couple of releases off the back, like two EPs within three, four months. Um, and you got a really good slot as well. Um, how did you feel going into it? Did you think that the timing was perfect for it now? Yeah, I think, um, there's a lot of good momentum. Um, which is why it's so much funnier that this, <laughs> everything you just stop for like the next foreseeable future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a sweet note to end everything on, but um, yeah, it was it was a, it's an unreal time. Um, I was really really hoping I get a daytime slot, and I don't know, like I've been to like that Sunday slot and that stage, like I've seen that stage before, and I've been at a festival on a Sunday, and I know exactly what you want, like mm. like when you've you've been up for two days, just being an absolute piece of shit <laughs> like you kind of need something to kick yourself in the balls so like that's kind of what i had in mind and also 
I think like the music that I've been listening to lately and what I've been into for my DJ sets is like, I think the aesthetic of that stage just kind of fits with mm. that garagey sort of vibe. Um, and just like a rougher taste. Cause I was doing a lot of disco and like, like upbeat uplifting sort of stuff. But yeah, I felt like I needed something a bit gnarlier, a bit yeah. faster, you know? Turbo. Turbo. That used to be my old nickname at my old work. <laughs> what? Explain, tell that story. Um, because I was driving trucks there as a removalist and I managed to, just by chance, this is a manufacturer's fault, um, just by chance I managed to bust the turbos in like four or five trucks while I was driving them. <laughs> so I got turbo. obviously got called Turbo, yeah. Nickname Turbo, Turbo Selector yeah. at the same time. Yeah, Turbo Selector. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, but pitch is obviously like a very big staple for Melbourne and Victoria. Mm. And so it was XA54 and that sort of became like looking from the distance. Um, it became a, like a sort of a part of your identity as an artist, I think, and you'll come up and in your like big nights and that sort of thing. So like, what did that, that venue mean to you both as an artist and a resident there, but also for the general wider scene in Melbourne? It allowed, allowed me to do like exactly what I wanted there. Um, I had like a lot of really lucky opportunities to play. It just, I feel like I couldn't go as hard at other venues in Melbourne as I could there. Um, I feel like a lot of spaces just didn't really, accommodate what I was doing and I don't know I, th- I just feel like maybe I, I grew to XE54 sound or this like XE54 grew to what I was doing I don't mm. know but like like the the feeling that I had like when I was playing a lot of those gigs was like really electric I felt like there was something different happening in there while I was playing and I was I don't know it was just exciting I guess um, and I think what they were doing in general, just having like a rotating roster of international artists um, for like, what, it was like two, two and a bit years, uh, nearly three years, I think. Um, that, that hadn't really been done uh, in Melbourne, like to that extent, um, I think. I think a lounge, lounge definitely had like that happening a lot, but um, XE definitely contributed a lot to that scene. And, I don't know. There's kind of like a big gaping hole now. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. So it's like, that's gone. Um, hopefully someone picks up the pieces because otherwise um, a few of us are going to be very bored. <laughs> I think that. And, and unemployed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that a lot of the, um, a lot of what's going to happen is, um, Sorry. My blank. A lot of what's going to happen now is all these people, all these creatives are going to be sitting in their bedrooms bored with all these new sort of projects, like just ready to launch once the world returns. And like, I know I've been sitting in my room being like, oh, how can I change the world forever? So I reckon there's mm. so many other people like that just thinking, like, how can we one up everything we've already been doing now that we have some time away to do that? So I think that, mm. like, hopefully, if there's a silver lining in all this, it's there's thousands more creative projects out there just you know, doing cool shit, hopefully. And maybe like someone yeah. having a cool idea for a venue is a part of that. Mm. I'd like, yeah, I'd really love that. I think, I think a funny thing I've, I've spoken to like a few artists at the moment and because they're, 
uh, and I've had the same feeling because there's no like objective for the music. Like you're just sort of releasing it for the sake of releasing it. You just sort of, people aren't really making focused club music. I've noticed like people are just making music that they just want to make. They're just yeah. playing around and like, and it seems to be kind of like a, a freeing experience, I guess, mm. instead of, because I, I, I was becoming quite, objective focus myself and then being like oh, i need to find I need to make this sort of like uh late night uh garagey sort of like two-step vibe for this like going to the studio <laughs> to play at 2 15 a.m yeah 2 15 like yeah definitely this is not a 1 15 vibe whatsoever <laughs> but like i'd be i just getting in the studio and i just sort of be staring at my amazing studio for eight hours just like all right something's gonna come now something's gonna come i've got a Gotta make that two fifteen banger, and yeah. now I get in the studio, and it just I just stuff around for the sake of stuffing around. Yeah, it's yeah. So it's a, kind of a relieving, yeah, in a way. It's brilliant. There's brilliance in the in the freedom of just like being able to create whatever you want, especially in like the our world where it's so often like hedonistic and like turbo. It's like where are the drums? Why aren't the drums hard enough? And all that sort of thing. <laughs> and to, to sort of remove ourselves and take a break from the event space could foster like some really cool new sounds mm, yeah like, for sure and i like, call it the headphone music you know <laughs> yeah one you can wear it on the way to school on the bus stuff you can listen yeah. to yeah <laughs> at the same time though i say that but i swear my listening has gone even more turbo because i crave that music so much more <laughs> like i just want to hear some like absolute like bang electro and like, cause I, cause I never used to listen to that sort of stuff before clubs closed, right? Like I just save all that listening for like inside the club and digging tracks. But now it's like, I don't, I can't hear it in the club. So I have to hear it in my bedroom. So I'm just sitting yeah. in my room, like working on like an article and just like, just big breaks, like wobbly 138 BPM to like electro. The skin on skin, just like blaring in the background. <laughs> and I feel bad if my brother's listening to this. He's just going to be like shaking his head, like you are the biggest idiot, because that's what he's been facing with. Like he's got like a normal job, and like sitting in the room next to me, just hearing. <laughs> um, yeah, shit, poor bastard. Um, so the lead-on question from that is: Are we going to get ambient cassettes for kids music? Um, it's definitely a lot softer from those stuff. I've, yeah, I mean, look, I'm putting up this, like, I've got this mindset I'm trying to put together. Uh, I'm trying to put together, like, half an hour and just put up a, like, a video. I'm definitely not doing a stream because the internet in my area is abysmal. We're holding so it really well now, like, by the way. Yeah, well, then we're tethering. We're off. This is off the, off the, off a satellite. Oh, right. I don't know how it. that's. I don't know how that's any better. It makes no sense. It's actually more efficient for me to collect, connect to something 10 kilometers in the sky. <laughs> well. um, anyway, um, you yeah, know, uh, I've got like half an hour of live stuff that I'm putting together, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I, don't know, I feel like it, it, it might be okay in a club, but um, it's, it feels a lot more melancholy and mm. sad boy stuff for some reason. But I mean, I know it's just like melodic fate focused, emotional house music. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, but it's at like 136 BPM. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask you this as well. Um, like dreams from what you've put out into the world, 
was inspired by an emotion and you started at an emotion and it sounds like the music you're talking about making now sort of starts at an emotion rather than like a like a objective of I want to make a turbo break song or that sort of thing um, <laughs> is that typical in your creative process or where does your inspiration start other times yeah whether I whether I know it or not um, I always sort of think of it think of the music I'm making it's sort of like timestamps and I I sort of go back to it like six months later and I'll be like, Oh, I've just disappeared because I've got a low battery warning. Um, I, I sort of go back to it six months later and then I'll sort of be able to figure out the minds, but like the mindset I was in at the time. Um, so I don't know, maybe when I do naturally make a turbo breaksy acid track, maybe there's like yeah. a bit of chaos going on in my head or, um, maybe when I'm making like, happy uplifting music maybe i'm just going through a really good part of my life whether i know it or not whether i know it or not mm. yeah that's like, cool. I, it's, it sounds it's it, it sounds like a little bit wanky or like i don't know it but i always notice that the lyrics that i end up choosing in the tracks sort of like if i sample something like i'll, I'll just sort of subconsciously hook onto like a little saying or word and mm. then i'll look back at it and i'm like Huh, I guess I was feeling that way, which is kind of weird, but yeah, kind of cool. I feel like, especially in our dance, in dance music as well, where it's not like a, like literal lyrics in order to decipher mm. what a song means. The song title is really important as well, and the song title can be mm. so like can lead so much direction into what a song is like, sort of feels like, and can sort of like shift it. So, like, if I was to sing yeah, some sure. of your tracks without the song title, I'd interpret them in a completely different way. I think. But with the song title yeah, there, it, it sets the mindset of like, this is sort of what I was feeling when I was writing that. So I don't know if that's something you reflect on in the creative process. Or... Mm, it's kind of like how the cover art will sort of create mm. that imagery in your head of the track. Because like, I remember it, like when I first made Dreams, it was like I sort of saw the colours in my head and I saw like reds and yellows and stuff. And then when I now that the cover art's like, it's like a white background with like a red and like aqua blue hand. Like, the hand. Now I, now I see that, which is really yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. Um, let's just, I don't like chopping and chopping around, but this is a really good question. I always want to ask you this and I <laughs> forgot to ask you it when we first did our first interview. But yeah, right, right. Melbourne, obviously, and like majority of our listeners are Sydney-based because the podcast has been so Sydney-focused right now. But Melbourne mm. is obviously a place where a lot of creative things happen in the dance world, especially, but generally across art, it's pretty much the art capital of Australia. So how do you think you made your break in such a, you know, saturated and strong, you know, arts culture um, in Melbourne? Like, I would say because it is saturated, <laughs> it's, just, it's, a, it's a melting pot. Like I'm like so lucky to actually be here because there's so many people organizing parties. Like I just randomly became friends with a lot of people who just fell into these industries. And like, that's just so lucky. If I was living in like, I don't know, like Perth or something, I wouldn't be blessed with this right now. Mm-hmm. Like it just sort of, it, it fed, it fed what I was doing. Yeah. I'm so, so glad you answered it like that as well. Cause so many people, I think, and not to shit on Sydney, but I think so many people in Sydney are so competitive where we don't need to be. Like if we all work together and we weren't like more, in- if we were more inclusive in the stuff we did and our cool ideas and projects, then the world would be better for it. So 
Mm. There's one thing we're taking away from this. If you're some chin stroker living in Sydney, don't be a chin stroker. Yeah. Yeah. I think what he's trying to say is um, get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in my family house. I can't swear. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You got your headphones on. Stop swearing. (laughs) Wasn't me. Honestly, it wasn't me, mom. I'm waiting for the day in probably not this episode because I was very strict on the house being like, nobody make any noise from 12 o'clock. But who knows with them nowadays? Um, they might get a bit more hesitant. So that door there, anything could happen. All right. Um, this is like some enormous prank where someone's just going to come in with like a Shrek mask. and be like, <laughs> Oh, sorry, wrong room. <laughs> and you're just expecting me not to react. <laughs> Brother. My next guests that's, are about, my brother. To, about to get the shock of their life because that's what I'm actually going to do. I'm going to mess with some people. That is brilliant. Um, I, that, back to a more serious note. Um, I love that you're focusing on a live set. And I think obviously DJ sets are beautiful and brilliant. And I'm a big advocate for um, letting people know how intricate and um, difficult it is to pull off like a tremendous DJ set, but there's obviously something to a project and there's something special about a project when you do take it the next step to the live setting. Um, in terms of transitioning from that DJ set to a live setting, um, how long have you had this idea for and what do you think the most attractive things for you are in making a live set? It's It's been like, a, I actually, I did start off with live sets, but that's like a whole another story. Um, <laughs> It's been about a year and a half. I think I actually, I think I was talking about that in our yeah. last interview. Um, am I disgraceful uh, outing? Um, anyway, <laughs> the, it's all documented. <laughs> I, yeah, it's all. Oh god. Um, so it's been about a year and a half that I've been thinking about it. Um, I think the real problem that I've been having with it has been that I've seen a lot of very uninspiring live sets. I look. Like, I started off DJing thinking that it was a bit of just like button pushing and a bit of like, you're not really doing anything. And the longer I've been doing it for like four years now, I actually find that there is, I'm thinking more about my DJ sets than I would my live sets. I'm actually doing so much more in my DJ sets, at least mentally than I would be in my live sets. And that's where I'm struggling with my live sets because I want to be doing more and I want there to be like a real performance aspect of it. But, um yeah there's like a little bit of a conflict going on there now so i've sort of like developed ways to like remix my songs on the fly to keep things Mm. fresh and to also create a bit of danger like programming like acid boxes and uh, programming like the drums and just like playing with effects and stuff and like mixing things creatively like with my own music um, cause I think that sort of makes things interesting, but like, I've seen a lot of people and I'm obviously not going to name any names. Kink is obviously the absolute G of it. <laughs> yeah. Cause sure. he's like playing keys. He's like, things can just go wrong. Yeah. And you're just like, man, like, honestly, if he screws this up, it's going to be yeah. so crazy. <laughs> but he's just like playing keys. Yeah. He's like playing the drum machine, screws it up. And then he like, he's got a record playing and like, that's just so sick. And then other people that are sort of going into the next one. Yeah click the next one and I'm like that's so boring you've, yeah. got, you've got great music but it's so boring so um, yeah it's it's hard I've actually already forgotten what the question was but um, I'm I'm you trying to bridge that gap I've try, yeah. I'm trying to bridge that gap of, of 
DJ. I'm, I'm trying to bring elements of DJing to my live set and create danger and create danger, um, yeah. <laughs> creating like dangerous things that I can do just to make it a bit more interesting. Because I think one of the best things about a live set is actually just watching someone work. Yeah. Like hands down, even if you're not really enjoying the music, you can just be like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. And just hearing the, or seeing the interaction and like the changes in the sound because of yeah. exactly what they're doing. And I think, yeah. And so I've got so much to reply to that. Um, when, you, <laughs> when I first learned like the fundamentals of DJing and I went to a club after that and you hear some of the mixes that get pulled off and hear some of like how like brilliantly people chop and change between songs. And you think of it so differently when you're in that thing where you're like, I don't even need to be dancing to be appreciating what someone's doing. I could just be standing next to them being like, Oh my God. Like, you're a master yeah. but like four decks running just absolute chaos i'll tell a crazy story of i was there was a fundraiser jensen interceptor and back-to-back party boy 69 and they had like all four cdgs running like like absolute chaos and i'm just looking over the shoulder of the decks being like if this was me i'd be so anxious right now because it's just shit everywhere like they're queuing songs they're not even playing just like waiting them out and then they're like teasing songs coming in like they bring in a vocal line from one song, then ripping it back, and they never actually play that song. Just like my anxiety was just through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, there's a certain like appreciation for just watching someone do their thing, and there's like so much brilliance in that. Um, the thing on the live set, and what I've found in my reflection of just DJing for friends or whatever, having options, and like being like, I could take this path, or I could take this path, and like, there's so much mm. like. There's, there's so much like energy in that and there's so much excitement in that. Um, mm, sometimes the sure. can be limiting in that, but it sounds like you're trying to overcome those things and that's what you're trying to tackle most. But that is the best thing about DJ sets is that you can just chop and change. If you could walk into a room, like I, I don't think it really happens so much now. Like when I first started DJing, like, cause I'd be getting like a lot of like the early slots or whatever. And you have all these ideas and you rock up and you're like, there is just no one here. I'm not going to be able to play all this stuff I've lined up overnight. But now like I've got like, I've got better slots, which have been, which I can sort of like prep things better for. Um, but the, the ability to just like react to your crowd and yeah. react to that moment in time. And then to be able to just do something that just works for that moment is just awesome. But with a live set, like I didn't realize this how, limiting it was like you're, you're stuck there like you just have to play your shitty music no matter what whatever yeah. you prepared like you just they've just got to sit there for an hour and just and cop endure it. <laughs> yeah and cop it and then you just got to fuck off with your tail between your legs <laughs> just unplugging your equipment while the other while the next day is just loading usbs like oh shit i literally i remember um back to when i was doing life since when i first started 2016 and i played after tropical house dj thomas jack and i had my live set and i was setting it all up and it got like plugged into the wrong input so i didn't know anything that mix so i got plugged into the phono for some reason and then that was just like it just sounded like <laughs> quickly figured out what was going on and then i had some like i had some people up the front of the of the set come up and be like do you have anything more commercial? And I'm like, oh crap. And I'm like 10 minutes in to an hour set. And I'm just playing my crap music, trying to like push it on. I'm like, 
keep dancing, keep driving, keep the energy up. And just people were just leaving in droves, no. like actual droves. And then finally the pr- promoter just like taps me on the shoulder. He's like, Hey man, how's it going? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good man. Good man. He's like, yeah. So just talk to the, uh, to the event guys. Um, they're just wondering if you have any more commercial stuff, otherwise you're going to, I'm like, <laughs> shit. I'm like, I had 20 minutes to go. And I just went, I'm like, I've, I've probably just went completely white. I just got the DJs next to me. I'm like, just play now. I don't care. Just get on. They just mm-hmm. plug their USBs in and everyone came back. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. So I just plug the ox in, mate. Just from the bottom. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. What do you want to hear? Honestly. Yeah. Um, Not me, yeah. obviously. <laughs> you just start playing your originals off your phone. How's this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like four years ago, the music I was playing, I actually found the live set that I was doing and God awful, so god awful. I can't. I, I played several gigs with that format, and I had to look people in the eye afterwards. <laughs> well, they had to look me in the eye, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant. Um, yeah, dude, good job, man. Like doing really well. <laughs> that classic after set. Oh my god, you killed it. No matter what. Yeah. No, I killed the vibe. That's what I did. <laughs> The amount of times I've gone up to people after they played horrible sets and being like, bro, that was sick. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> or your mates are like, that motherfucker. That cheeky bastard Do wants I an interview. That? <laughs> yeah. So I have this podcast. I reckon you should come on. Your set was so good. Anyway. <laughs> um, you obviously have, not, not the like a great connection to it and if i didn't ask this question arthur and pepper and stuff would be so on my ass so hmm. um obviously arthur from finding things has a big involvement in your project and you were recently on the james pepper ep as well um how did you link yes. with the sort of finer things extended crew um in sydney um so i'm just getting my my charger because my phone's probably going to die doing this um rest in it's... peace yeah, rest in peace. Um, I'm just trying to find a PowerPoint. Where are we? Where? Oh, here. Oh, okay. Got some guests. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my girlfriend is just reading in bed. I'm just going to disturb her. <laughs> look up my nose while I do this. Um, yeah. So, shout out everyone listening, being like, "What is going yeah. on?" <laughs> yeah. Just... <laughs> so. Found it. Thank you. <laughs> um, is that charging? Who knows? Well, if this times out, well, obviously the charger isn't working. Um, we know why. <laughs> so I, I met Arthur uh, online. We became online friends. Online buddies. He, online buddies. Yeah, he hit me up to do a release about two or three years ago. Um, and then we've just been best friends ever since. <laughs> Back when he was doing Gateway Collective. Oh, wow. That's chronic as. Yeah. Shout out to Gateway Collective. Yeah, don't. He's going to... The real owner is going to kill us. (laughs) We're going to get sued. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Fun Things. Shout out to those boys. He said he wanted to sit in. He said he wanted to sit in on this interview, but I said no. (laughs) Is he trying to kill you? (laughs) Man, he's a scary man. Social distancing, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) No, Zoom sit in, just, you know, just keep an ear out the icon. <laughs> just imagine his head just sitting in the side there, not saying anything. <laughs> mm. Mm. 
pretty much what he did that last interview. So <laughs> anyway, um, we've been going for like yeah. close to forty minutes now. Um, so yeah, well. I'll end on under a more sentimental question. Um, before we ask all the standard questions, but um, outside of just making good music and creating good times in a club or festival space, um, what do you aim on achieving with the Cassettes for Kids project? Just a bit of fun. Um, <laughs> as I said before, I mean, look, I, yeah, it, it's honestly just good fun. I want to show you good tracks. I obviously want to play um, a few tunes that I've made just to see if that's fun. Um, yeah. Maybe you might think that's fun. Maybe you don't. That's fine. But um, yeah, it's not meant to be anything serious. Like, I, yeah, it's just meant to be good music, basically. Brilliant. A good show and good music with a little bit of pizzazz, a little bit of performance, a little few like dance moves and twists of my fingers that I don't really need to do. I keep on, I've actually seen a few videos and I, I do like the, 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 the hot mixer trick and I don't know why <laughs> I do it all the time. I do like the, I'm yeah. like, there is no practical use for that. But I, every time I play, I'm like, ooh, ooh. flick of the wrist, mate. So so you get to see that, which is quite, quite revolutionary, Brilliant. I think. <laughs> um, two questions I ask everyone as well at the end of the interview. What are your favourite boiler rooms? It can be like anything, just the, just the best boiler rooms in no particular order, in your opinion. Or uh, Motor City Drum Ensemble. Okay, thank you. 2015. That's huge, huge one. I always rinse um, this Cyclops acid track that he drops, um, yeah. which is... Uh, amazing um i use it in my sets just to like absolutely blister people because it's just it's it's terrifying it's really the original is actually quite slow but it's like 116 but if you play it at about 125 128 it rocks people like it's such a good track uh the rest of the set's really good the other good um boiler room set oh blimey have you ever seen the ankle pants one no ankle pants Oh God! I mean, it's definitely not good, but it's quite an experience. It's brilliant. Um, it's a guy who has a penis for a nose. And I can see. And he has it. He does like the um, animatronics for for like I don't know some like major movies, but he also makes like some of the worst music you've ever heard. Oh my God! It is just just the most jarring thing you will ever see. <laughs> That is brilliant. I'm going to throw this straight on. I'm mm, looking at I, Google I images of him. Yeah, maybe delete your history after that. <laughs> There's no one walking. I'm um, just waiting for like, so I'm waiting for ankle pants just to pop out of your door right now. Just like, do you want, do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> um, I'm good. I promise. <laughs> um, and finally... Um, and obviously a lot of COVID-19 challenges going around. Tag a mate and, you know, tell them to bloody show their least favorite record in their collection, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you have to <laughs> neck nominate people to come on Parry Talks or who do you think should get this grilling? Who should come on? Who should pull up? Ooh, Parry Talks, Parry Talks. Oh, well, it has to be, has to be James, obviously. I mean, I've already, I've already, was I ragging out of him before? Probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has to be James. James, James Pepper. Perfect. Yeah. That's I mean, he's local. 
We've got some big ones in the works. Yeah. Jimmy Peps. Don't worry. Have no fear. Good. Oh, he's bloody smashing it right now. That um that track with um that he put up with Black Ops just recently. Oh my goodness, um, mate. On horse house. Yeah. It's brilliant. So bloody damn. And that last EP. Mwah. Yeah. Out on gallery. Shout out gallery. We've had yeah. Angus Russell on here as well. Um but yeah. Parry talks. Cassettes for kids. That flew through. Holy shit. That was brilliant. Yeah, that was that was quick. Um if you're listening this far, next time Cassettes for Kids has a show in Sydney, which might be like the Melody support or whatever. And if you come up to me oh, and yeah. quote this interview, I'll get you two drinks. <laughs> Harry Talks, episode 17, 16, whatever. Um, thanks for tuning in, brother. Thanks for coming on. Uh, dude, thanks for having me. No worries.